Rangers and residents of New Tech City, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Pull over. (laughs) Judgment. (laughs) Judgment. (laughs) And today. I'm so tired, dude. (laughs) I binged like all of SPD pretty much like from episode 15 to episode 36. I binged in a matter of three work days. And oh boy. That, that was like, a that was a grind. I feel like you could give someone the entirety of Power Rangers SPD, no other leftist theory or content, and there's a decent chance that they would come out on the other a- end of it with a police abolition stance. <laughs> Honestly, not only police abolition, but prison abolition too, right? Yes. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think like obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So when they made this propaganda, they were like, "We're just following the book that the LAPD I'm just gave following us." Orders right now. Yeah, like we're just doing this under advisement of the U.S. military and the LAPD. Why not? Um, so you know they try to they try to paint cops in the best light, but uh, you know I had to get philosophical with it. So you know I had to bring my non-binary comrade. Lau. Lau, welcome to the show. Yeah, what's going on, everyone? Yo. <laughs> so before we get into Power Rangers SPD, what has been your experience with the Power Rangers? I actually met my best friend through Power Rangers back in kindergarten. Uh, we were both uh, wearing Power Ranger costumes. He was blue and I was red, and we instantly like hit it off, so... You know, we got we got that uh, friendship like pretty much going on up until right now. And it's been like what, like almost like two decades that we've been friends just because of Power Rangers. So that's wild. I mean, like I've had experiences like that for sure. Uh, but the, the, the friends I held dear to my heart the most uh, throughout my years has always been from middle school. So that's like really incredible. Hey, you've been able to keep a friendship for that long. Most people can't say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just hard, like, with everything going on, just, like, trying to keep friends and stuff, and some of them work out and some don't. But, uh, you know, as long as you have some sort of interest, like, common interest in mind, like, you know, you can keep it going for a while. And just so happened that my friendship with my Power Ranger buddy started with Power Rangers and... Just uh, goofing off on like Halloween. <laughs> That's awesome. So, was Red your favorite Power Ranger? And what was your first series? Yeah, so Red was my favorite Power Ranger. It's also my favorite color. And I think I started off with uh, Power Rangers. Uh, I think it may, might have been one of the space ones way back. Wow. So, you're thinking probably in space or Lost Galaxy. Yeah, and I I remember like being like three, four, five, and like when my mom had the money, she would go and get like the Megazords and stuff, and it was like awesome, you know, just as like a kid and just like combining and like ripping apart the components of the Megazord like over and over again. 
Yeah, you really don't get that sort of sense of excitement anymore, right? Like there's a there's a sort of thing I think that I liked about Power Rangers now that I, I appreciate more is when they use the actual toys, I guess, or at least like maybe upgraded PVC versions, right? Of of the Zords and like put that on display on the show, right? So like you can be a kid ask your parents for the toy, they get the toy, and it's like, oh, wow, the toy looks almost exactly like it does on the show. You know, like, that type of stuff is so exciting. Now, a lot of the times, it's like 3D CGI, so it's kind of like, eh. You know, sometimes that type of stuff is hit or miss. I know Transformers has still got it going on. Uh, I've, I've watched some recent Transformers stuff, and even when they, like, lower the budget to where it's, like, flash, almost flash animation, the toys still come out pretty banging. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually nailed it a little bit. I thought where they those those robots looked cool, and then when they put out like the first official Voltron toys, I remember for the new series, I remember looking at them and going, "Oh fuck!" and just pogging out. I actually had Voltron before I had any Megazord, which is wild Ooh. to me. Ooh. And I think. Yeah, and I had a die-cast one, too. I had, like, a small die-cast one, and then I had a bigger, like, plastic one that you can, like, it's like a toy more more so. I think the funner parts about that, to help it make it look more like the anime, because that type of stuff, you know, you have the, the plastic molding, right? So it's just, like, getting a paint bucket on MS Paint and clicking fill. <laughs> They'd be like, all right, 3D print that, please. <laughs> but uh, you got the stickers. So you got to like plaster the stickers, and if you did a fantastic job, it looked exactly like the anime. <laughs> so there was that sort of appeal in that, and yeah. you still see people doing that today. Like uh, even with, uh, I'm not so sure if they do that with uh, with the new Hasbro Power Rangers toys, but uh, Bondi, when I think it was Bondi that was doing the toys before uh, Hasbro, like now you have sort of like the maker community for Power Rangers coming out with like Etsy shops where they're like, hey, you can buy these stickers that I made that go onto your your action figure to make it look better and look at more make it look more uh like the show. That's awesome. They even have some for the uh for that $50 Megazord that they sell on Amazon. That's like the really basic one that Hasbro's got out. So I might even like pick that up actually. <laughs> nice. What I was saying was like I don't know if I don't know if you remember, like, I think it was either McDonald's or Burger King. They did like a Power Rangers type toy thing, like a limited series thing where like each Happy Meal you got or something, you got like a piece of the Megazord. And if you got all five, you can combine it all together. But it was like really shitty, like plastic or something. And it was just basically yeah. like transparent. The Ronald yeah. board. I think from my memory, the best McDonald's toys was uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards that came complete with the CD where it had some oh, raps yeah. in it. <laughs> no matter what, we'll let the games begin. Uh, <laughs> and then it had that like Millennium Shield that I think was just appearing in the show that had like 3,000 defense and it could defend against the Blue Eyes White Dragon. It had some effect on it. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and then Bionicles. I think Bionicles oh, I is what got say, me. What about the Bionicle Happy Meal? <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't even the the Happy Meal. That was the big kids meal or whatever, right? Yeah, 
That was because oh, yeah. you had to be a big kid to eat the six piece chicken McNugget. And that's also, what actually got me to eat edgy. more. <laughs> Bionicles were edgy in this oh, way yeah. that no one could actually explain. Yeah, that was really <laughs> cool at the time. It was definitely, was definitely geared towards like geared towards the like preteenish, like that age range, and just like getting that, you know, dark, edgy email stuff. It reminds me so much of early 2000s internet. It's actually pretty insane. Because I felt like that was definitely the aesthetics of that time, too. You could never pull it off any other time than, Let's than be that. Real. Than that Bionicle era. and Sonichu have about the same level of world building and writing and edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, you know those like bionicle manuals were so thick and rife with like lore and stuff and like yet you, you had like all these crazy like islands and like ecologies and whatever. Yeah, and then the the really like sophisticated kits would come with like a CD that you put in the computer with that would have even more lore and like videos and shit. And it's like these like these, you know, first of all, it's like 2001 to 2008 was like the time of Bionicles, roughly. You know, CG, 3D CG did not look amazing in like 2003 at the best of times. But also this was like Lego paying for like relatively cheap 3D CG animation to be sold with like a toy, you know? So it was not like ultra impressive. But it was like kind of good, but it was also kind of just like the weirdest, most uncanny valley shit you've ever seen. <laughs> I gotta say, like, when I think back to that shit, though, I fucking loved it. Like, I love that internet era so much because you guys remember like Dot .hack? Yeah. Like, remember yeah. the world and like the OS that it had in there where you check the messages from your friends and all that stuff? Like, I loved that shit. And I loved those, like, the, the Shimagami Tensei-esque uh, games. Um, I think, like, Soul Hackers, for example, is one of them, where you kind of have this, like, first-person world, and, like, you go into, like, a shop, and then, like, that's where you buy things versus, like, going to, like, a website, <laughs> you know? Or And then you have, like, your digital avatar, and, like, that, that sort of era of, like, personalization. You, you almost kind of felt it in a way that it could have maybe developed in that sort of way. But unfortunately, America hates that shit. <laughs> right? Because, like, it seems like every back time... around, though, right? Like, for there was this era where it was, like, any video game you play or anything or, like, whatever, if it's American-made, you play as some hero that's this, like you know, 600-pound muscular, like, space marine guy, and you have no ability to customize him whatsoever. He's just Ronald Knifesman or whatever, and you're Ronald Knifesman. And, like, finally, like, you beat the whole game, and it's like, oh, shit, I unlocked a golden bandana for Ronald Knifesman instead of his regular red one. Oh, my God. And, like, that's yeah, it's the a only... utilitarian point of view, yep. Yeah. It's, but it, it's but... changing. Yeah, I do. And it's funny because we're all really like big tech nerds in here. So like when I get into it, I'm just like, oh, man, you know why I think that's changing? Gnome 40. 
I think like the the, re, <laughs> the reimagination of like how we use our computers and how we use our devices. I finally feel like people are realizing, holy shit, it's the year 2021. We are so far behind on like maximizing user interfaces. We've got to do something, right? So you see now all of a sudden you're you're getting like a bunch of tech companies that are not only like quote unquote worried about your privacy, right? Like Apple and now Google with Android 12, but you also have this sort of like Apple is introducing a focus mode where like only certain apps can like uh interact with you, right? Like a do not disturb mode for your computer, but it's hyper specific into how you mold it to be in this sort of way, right? Like only do work applications or like with gnome 40 it's like holy shit let's reimagine how we launch applications on the computer is the current way that we're doing it right now with windows the like optimal way or can we think of something even more like grandiose and maybe even more intuitive for people who aren't uh neurotypical or uh right. even physically typical right right yeah, yeah, so totally. I, I think I think I, we are moving back to that sort of like we need to go back to that pre 9-11 mindset sort of right of like, yeah, maybe it is a little bit more of like the the end of history type thing, but it's starting to gear more towards that like idealism more so than the fuck, I need the convenience right now, right? Because I think yeah. under our capitalist society, they just exploit that, right? Because then they go, oh, because oh, yeah. I think people yeah. are sharpening up to where they're like, oh, my God, right? Uh, easy and convenient doesn't necessarily mean what's best for everybody. And so yeah. people are starting yeah. to wisen up to all of that. So it's, it's, you love to see it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it's 2005. <laughs> Bush, Bush has been reelected. Uh, president of the United States. Conservatism is here to stay for a couple more years. The war on terror is uh, getting a new lease on life, uh, at least overtly. The big shows of this time, I would think peak 2005 is peak cops, right? Like peak copaganda was going oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Criminal time. minds mm -hmm. was blowing up and stuff like that. I mean, like uh, NCIS, like all of the, the the big modern cop shows that we think of as like the defining cop shows of the now started around 2003, 2005, 2007, you know, like that era basically. Um and I actually wanted to tie this to what we were talking about with like customization in games and in tech and all this stuff cuz it all I think kind of relates somewhat where I think a lot of more modern American media tends to have protagonists that it's easier to see yourself in. But this, at Power Rangers SPD is very much from the era when, like, they didn't give a shit if you could relate to any of these people. Yeah. It was not a goal to have relatable characters in this show. That was not something that they thought about as, like, a major guiding thing in the writer's room at all. Right. They, really they want you... They want you to be sympathetic, but that's it. They want you to be sympathetic to the police, but that's 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 the goal. That's the main goal above all else. Other than that, it's like, well, what can we like grab from the day-to-day -day police life that the LAPD 
and the U.S. military will allow us to represent. So yeah, it's it's extremely overt. And but with that being said, on the Power Rangers side, what does that mean? What are the benefits of that, right? And the benefits of that is increased budget. <laughs> uh, although Disney still limited the budget in quite a number of ways, they basically like blew the budget on CGI. What makes Power Rangers SPD interesting is that there is nothing to focus on but the police stuff, right? And when and surprisingly when they when they do that, it's it's so much more interesting to dissect. So much so that it makes the episodes actually punch up versus like be continually middling. It was sli- it was definitely better than Dino Thunder, but it wasn't like I wouldn't say that much better, but we'll leave that for the season review. But still yeah. Like there, there was some episodes that we were like, wow, that was actually very interesting to like go over and dissect and watch for ourselves because these stories are what's approved by your local police department. <laughs> you know, this is the shit that they endorsed that they wrote off on. So therefore, this is what they relate to the most. Not you, not you, the viewer. But what the police officer at home is showing their kids and then they tell their kids, yeah, that's it. You see Power Rangers SPD? That's what our life is like. You want the aliens to run the world? Then we're like, holy shit. Like, it's almost like getting intel, you know, into the the psychological mindset of a police officer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's just interesting how, like, just picking, like, a particular, like genre or like topic to focus on you're just bound to certain things and bound to like show like certain elements that you can't just like you can't just uh hand wave it off and i think that's especially true with like at least the episodes that i watch with uh power rangers spd like there's just elements that are like unique and specific to how police handle their operations and there's just like no getting away from it right so it's it it, there is this like really interesting dynamic about you know what how much you can get away with and how much you can't get away with when you're you know investigating or like you know showcasing a particular topic yeah i agree and i guess we're gonna start off here with the worst episode because it happens Right after the intro. I'm talking episode three. Right. Yeah. This has been kind of a thing lately, right? With the Disney era. Decent intro that immediately drops you into a gulf of shame. Yeah. yeah Dino, Thunder, <laughs> Dino Thunder did not improve that much after the intro. So, Even yeah. Ninja Storm. One of the weakest episodes of Ninja Storm was episode three. Yeah, one of the weakest was definitely episode three. Yeah. Three and seven, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. they they write a great intro and then they're just like, We wrote we wrote an excellent finale. It's in the bag, folks. Okay. Uh we got three of our backup writers. They're gonna come in, they're gonna write episode three. We're all gonna go take the rest of the week off. Let's go. I'm <laughs> I'm pooped. I just made an amazing introduction. I need at least a month vacation. All right, backup writers. You got this. You got this. <laughs> and then, like, their B-team writers is, like, three incels. 
that are just like, all right, let's write episode three. And that's what we got here, basically. Episode three is called Confronted. It's about Jack. Jack is the leader of B-Squad. And that is interesting in terms of its implications. Interesting doesn't always mean good, though. So, first of all, the episode begins with the Rangers failing to catch some alien carjackers. And Jack's like, who was in charge of that shitty mission? And Sky's like, you, dog. <laughs> You're the Red Ranger. Did you not know that that's why you have a number one on you? <laughs> I, it was clearly number five. <laughs> um, it's the higher number. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of like leads to like Jack discovering, oh shit, I'm the leader of this team. And Sky is mad about it. Um, because, you know, he wanted to be the Red Ranger. He doesn't understand why he's not the Red Ranger. And he feels like Jack is kind of being a shitty Red Ranger. In the meantime, Emperor Grum, our very lackluster, uninspiring, worst villain potentially ever, um, <laughs> is uh, luring A-Squad into a trap. Kruger lets the Rangers know that, like, hey... A-Squad is going to be tied up and, like, dealing with serious shit for a while, not on Earth. So, basically, like, you're Earth's Power Rangers now. And B-Squad is like, oh, fuck, we're, like, maybe not ready for this, because deep down they know that they're all shitheads. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Meritocracy is such a fucking sham. Like, it just, like, that's just the constant message I get like as we go over the episodes and everything it's just like clearly like they want the job because they want the benefits but that's not the reason like that doesn't mean that they're well suited for a job right like it doesn't necessarily mean that the person's that that the person that's been doing the same job for 30 years could be good at managing people who do the job because mm -hmm. it's just like you you could not be good at organizational skills you know you could not be good at people skills, for example, all this other stuff. Right. Not saying that there needs to be a pay disparity, because I don't agree with that. But I digress from an organizational standpoint, you know, it doesn't like they don't think, oh shit. <laughs> Fuck, I gotta, I gotta actually like do a time schedule. I actually gotta organize my life. I got a plan for fitness. I got a plan for all of these other shits of being a Power Rangers. They go, oh, fuck yeah, I can morph and I can fucking beat up on some aliens with no remorse. Let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is also when we get introduced to Mora, by the way, who is both one of the more, like, one of the better villains this season, but also kind of weird. We'll get into it in the season review. I'm not going to touch on that right now. In this case, she's a little girl who can draw in her notebook and make monsters. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that for now because all other implications are more distressing to discuss. Um, so anyway, so Mora 
is like the monster maker though, and that is a fun one for this season. Um, yeah, and and she is seen doing this for the first time this episode, creating a monster called, funny enough, Praxis. I didn't catch that the first time. Yeah, Grum's doing Praxis this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. In the Um, year 2025, Praxis is being done. (laughs) Praxis in 2005. The cops can detect it now. Depending on which... (laughs) <laughs> which thing you care about right now. <laughs> um, also, similarly to Mora being introduced, we're also given a more proper introduction to a villain we saw a little bit of, but we didn't really fully understand yet. Broodwing. Broodwing is a... Contractor. A, 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 a Raytheon arms dealer. Yeah. He He's an independent for... contractor. Yeah. He's a military contractor, like, salesperson. Mm-hmm. You ever watch All Gas, No Breaks? He goes to, like, a military contractor's convention. Bruton is, like, probably in that video somewhere if you look close. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is, like, uh, what Emperor Grum is apparently working with, with for his invasion of Earth. He's got Mora, the monster maker, the little girl who draws monsters with crayons and brings them to life, and Broodwing, the mysterious military contractor guy who is actually kind of amazing but again we'll save more of that for the season review um and uh, all of that's fine like the villain plot stuff is generally fine but what's going on at the same time as that is that jack is being a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> jack has discovered that leadership comes with privileges and he has decided to take complete advantage of that so first we see him showing up to meetings late in his bathrobe and shit just acting like he doesn't really give a fuck kind of seeming stoned sometimes if i'm being real all the time actually they also like sometimes they play rasta music when he enters which is kind of like a, a a thing i guess that they're they're going with yeah i'm gonna <laughs> guess is strictly because of the fact because he wears dreadlocks yeah, it kind of felt like thing. Yeah. It's yeah, that happens. Weird, weird thing. Yep. And it continues um, all the way to episode 30, what, six that I've watched so far? Yep. It's been a couple scenes. I've watched everything but the finale, and I don't, they never actually imply that that's like even Jack's heritage, right? Like they never even try to be like, Oh, yeah, Jack is a Rastafarian to explain some of that. Not that that would necessarily make it all okay, but it might be, like, at least at that point, kind of, like, woke racism as opposed to just racism. I don't know. It's, like, they never even try to be, like, yeah, Jack's family was from Jamaica originally or something that, like, no. They're just inexplicably, they occasionally talk about his dreadlocks, often inappropriately. And sometimes when he enters the screen, Rastafarian music plays. It's it's bad. And that's this yeah. is one of those episodes, which is one of the reasons we highlighted it as worse, because very racist. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, like Jack just like uh Shane from Ninja Storm, 
Jack has a really hard time recovering from this. From his actions in this episode. Because you kind of want to feel sorry for him. Because again, he needed to be a Power Ranger or he was just going to be in jail. Right? Like that that was just going to be it. And he was probably going to be sentenced to a car mm -hmm. because he's black. And he wears dreadlocks. There's kind of like a, yeah, fine, I guess I'll do it. But uh, yeah, it's it's fucked. It's completely fucked because then you're, you're kind of feeling bad for him by the end of episode two because he kind of feels forced. But then in this episode kind of takes it way too far when he goes to just be like, okay, I'm the fucking king of the castle now. Yeah. It's, it's just a weird problematic episode. So Jack... Also has weird implications when you just look at it from like a like just dissecting it point of view, right? Yeah. So Jack's pissing off his team because he's sending them off to do like unfun, uncomfortable trainings and things like that. Um, and he's just like chilling most of the time while they do that. Um, he's like getting like cadets to like do his laundry for him and bring him stuff. There's one of the like young cadets that comes in while he's talking to Kruger and is like, don't forget we have a uh, special self-defense lessons later. And Jack's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I, we don't worry. I won't forget baby. Like just completely sleazy abusing his power to the maximum extent <laughs> yeah jack had so many infractions as a as a leader right that you can just go oh well when i become the police chief or something like that i could probably get away with one of these things yeah yeah because clearly that's what you're entitled to right if you're if you if the person above you is okay with it you're not going to get any reprimands which is why I'm saying meritocracy is a fucking sham. <laughs> it's yeah. such bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's messed up. It's really messed up. I ran the CIA for eight years, okay? <laughs> I know. I know what it's like dealing with these terrorists. <laughs> Lau, um, are you... Uh... You gonna run the FBI someday and <laughs> take advantage of it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if it's like if this is a general thing where you just kind of like assume a bunch of responsibilities and you just slack off. And it seems like there's not really like I don't know, there's like a certain impunity that goes with it, and it's like no one everyone is like really frustrated, but like no one like really cares up until like like up until the point when when things really start to like become serious is when it when everyone was like, yeah, we don't want you to be a leader right now. <laughs> <laughs> they take him out of power for 15 minutes to teach him a lesson. <laughs> yeah. And then like the lesson wasn't even like you have to like, do administrative okay, leave. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even that bad. Like what Jag did. It was just like. I don't know, like, he just didn't seem to care, and, like, things were still going on. Uh, but apparently people really needed him. 
listen, we know that Jeffrey Tubin masturbated in a Zoom call, but it's been eight months. He's going to be the Red Ranger again. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack is like, like Lau is kind of saying, like he's pissing people off a little bit, but it's like, it's not significant enough. Like Kruger is kind of like, Annoyed with him the way that you would be annoyed with somebody if you, like, came into their room yesterday and you were like, hey, get the dishes out of here. And you come in the next day and, like, there's more dishes. Not, like, somebody who's, like, abusing a massive amount of power and influence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nonstop. More like, or Jack less, is it was just uh... like, Jack, you ate my turkey sandwich. What the <laughs> Hell- fuck, man? Like, Jack isn't a toxic leader by, like, any means. <laughs> it's kind of just like the whatever, like... Yeah, just a completely apathetic, useless leader. But it, it kind of just gets me wondering about, like, what it really means to be, like, a Power Ranger, like, leader, you know? Like... Yeah. I mean, it's, it just seems like there's so much expectation placed on being the Red Ranger, and then yet you got, like, everyone just, like, being okay with how the Red Ranger is. Yeah, it's really yeah. tainted by uh, the the American police, right? Because the Zordon era, it was more or less Zordon sort of selected the best of the best of who he deemed from the from the Power Rangers, and it just so happened to be five teams from Angel Grove, you know? And in that sort of thing, and it's more or less like, I'm sure it's more or less like, ah, the morphing grid is what selected you, right? Essentially. Yeah. Um, because you exhibit the best of the best qualities that we see in humanity. Good stuff. Great stuff. Uh, led to a bunch of seasons being made of a particular TV show. In this sort of thing, it's just like, Hey, I scored a hundred out of a hundred on five of my exams. I get to be a Power Ranger now, please. Yeah. And then, like, if you're a shitty human being, if you're just like a, a really like trash human being, you still get to be a Power Ranger. You just don't get to be the red one. Yeah. 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 Because that was Sky. That was Sky. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he gets to be not. He doesn't get to be the the Red Ranger, but he gets to be the second best one, the blue one. So listen, listen, kid. It's gonna be a while before you're commanding your own squad car, but Lieutenant Jack, he's gonna take good care of you. Okay, he's a great he's a great person to have as a partner. You're gonna be good out there as a team. That's the vibe, you know. Like, like Sky's yeah. not quite responsible enough, but he's still gonna be let out on the streets with a weapon, whatever. Even in this episode, you know, again, you kind of want to feel sorry for Jack because Sky is treating him like shit. And Sky is like judging him based on his dreadlocks this episode, right? Yeah. And saying that he's unqualified to be a, a Red Ranger because of his dreadlocks. He does. I think this is the episode where he makes that comment. And also, just in general, like, it's one of those things where, yeah, Jack's being a huge shitter and it's not necessarily forgivable. But at the same time, Sky's expectations of Jack are obviously like something that no person could possibly reach. Um, it's get out that, levels. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's just straight up get out levels. Yeah, like he's he's just like he's just harassing Jack constantly and being horrible to him. So you, it's like to an extent you're kind of like, 
empathizing with Jack some too, but then he's also so bad this episode. It just sucks. It's just a you're just mired in the shit. So Jack especially pisses his team off when he sends them to do this like mud run, mud course training, six miles in the mud or something like that. And I they know get that the... Jack I know that Jack gets is get is clean in this part of the episode, so to speak, right physically. Yeah. But I think like he goes really low and like sir like he he does some like really low blows in conversations against sky that kind of just it's kind of like almost like twisting a knife because like sky is like being like really cruel towards jack and in it's on display in this episode as well it was mm -hmm. on display in the intro too it's on display in this episode as well but then jack when jack sort of bites back it's like yeah dog you landed it you know it's not that you didn't land it but it's more or less like uh uh you didn't really need to say that out loud you know you are kind of punching down to some extent when you treat your team members a certain way and you're their commanding officer yeah right? and i think like... that's what makes it feel bad actually you're right on this because like, Jack is the Red Ranger, right? Yeah. Not Sky. So, like, give them a reason as to why you should be the Red Ranger. But Jack just keeps going. <laughs> and, like, Jack's across... like, nah, fuck all y'all. I'm doubling down. <laughs> and in some way, you kind of got to respect it, right? Because, like, he, again, he was, like, forcibly coerced into doing this right yeah but still like to the casual viewer it's like really not okay <laughs> to watch especially when you don't have this sort of like adult understanding of like what's really going on right from right. like the the racial dynamics and implications that's going on but as a little kid you're just kind of left wondering Question mark, question mark, question mark. What? Like, why is the leader of the Power Rangers acting like that? You know? A wild episode. Like, like jacked up. Every time they go against Jack, when they offer some rebuttal to Jack, Jack just doubles down every single time. No forgiveness. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, he's the Red Ranger. Fuck, like Kruger saw something in him. <laughs> Gotta respect it. And then Kruger's like bad wrist slap, right? But he he can't like revoke the Red Ranger power from Jack because that would make Kruger it would undermine Kruger's authority, even if it only undermined it maybe like five percent. Like, still, like, Kruger can't take any chances on his authority being uh, undermined because he is a dog and he is in a leadership position versus, like, being a regular human being. And you're supposed to go, yeah, I want to be like Jack. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, nor do you want to be like the shadow leader because Sky also sucks. So, uh, so finally, Jack has pissed the team off too many times. The team needs to go out and deal with something. But before they go out, Kruger's like, 
how do y'all feel about Jack? And everybody's like, me, me, raising their hands as fast as they can. And Kruger's like, yes, Sky. And Sky's like, I want to kill Jack right now with my bare hands. Um, <laughs> and then Kruger's like, okay, next. No, um, it and, went far deeper than that. And, it and, was like us of racism shit. It was very like you. He really, was like, I've got the waiting noose ready. For a gamer word. You're yeah. Just, you're like you're on the edge of your seat. Like, how far is this rant about to go? Like, it really. And he feels has like, like that. the angry, the angry like fucking gamer face too, which is rocking at the mouth slightly. Just like ready to say the word. Just ready. It was it was truly like internalized anger and rage coming from Sky. Yeah, it was like total Jackgate. <laughs> what they told they told I don't really want to make too many judgments about what this actor might be like because he could have just been playing the character, but it is like you just almost feel like they told him like, you know, just 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 hate Jack as much as you can. He's like, I got it. Sky, Sky, no. What happened was, is Sky was an understudy. That actor was like, "I'm gonna go out on patrol with some cops, and, and that—that's what we're gonna do." And he was just emulating like what he was seeing out there, because it was like so true to his core. Or maybe like, he was auditioning for like Criminal Minds and shit, and getting rejected. You know? <laughs> he was too hardcore. He was too hardcore with it. Um. So, so the Rangers go out and they're given Zord status for the first time because, again, the A squad is off in space dealing with Emperor Grum's bullshit. The 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 B squad just has to pick up the slack. So they get in their Zords. They do their best, but of course they can't form the Megazord because Jack's <laughs> not there. So they get their butts kicked, which is like. <laughs> They're, it's like it's like Kruger wants to teach. This is like this whole episode is very Ayn Rand, but this part in particular <laughs> is so Randian because it's like Kruger's like ah ah ah, look what happens if you don't have your CEO workers. You can't get it done. See, I told you you needed a CEO, but it's this totally artificial thing because it's like just give them all the Zords. The Zords can be semi-autonomous and form the Megazord. This happens later in the season. Um, and as we so... <laughs> find out later on in the season, they can use each other's morphers, too. Yay! So Yeah, so it's almost like uh, Kruger just inducing Stockholm Syndrome within the group. And yeah, just being like an artificial look. situation where they suddenly need quote unquote Jack. Oh, look, you needed your abusive shitty leader after all. I needed to remove the headphone jack to fit the bigger battery. I'm sorry, you're gonna need to buy this dongle. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, what if they just died? Like, what what would what would be the next step? Like Oh, they just hire D Squad. D Squad gets promoted to B Squad. Yeah, but but C Squad is medical. I want to one thing that's really important though, which is that Kruger promotes four members of D Squad and lets Jack continue to lead them. Yes. In in the in the universe where Jack gets his entire team killed, Kruger would not relieve him of duty. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah, Jack is still the leader. Yeah. 
Because he <laughs> obviously, right? Because he's the Red Ranger. He's our leader. He's our guy. They died for a great cause. <laughs> so Jack's oh like, oh my god. So Jack's back at the command center, like, coach, you gotta let me play. You gotta let me in, coach. You know, I'm the only know one that can that could drive the red dinos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and finally, Kruger's like, "All right, your team has learned that they're shit. They're too shitty without you. Go on and save them." And we gave them Stockholm syndrome successfully, <laughs> and sends Jack out. And Jack goes, and they form the Megazord, and they win. But at the very end of the episode, Jack is like trying to redeem himself a little bit, and he goes out and he does the like mud run thing all alone. And Sky is just creepily watching him. And that's the end of the episode. On top of all the other weird shit we've already described, that's what they choose for their final scene. Jack just covered in mud in the early morning, just like out there exercising. And you can tell it's one of those things where it's like, he's, it's, he's not doing it for anyone else's gaze right now. He's doing it because he needs to prove to himself that he is worthy of this, you know, he, he has, he's having his own personal reckoning with it. It would have been fine to just have Jack out there just doing it, I think, you know, but instead it's like the camera has to pan over to Sky, just creepily watching from like a couple hundred yards away and nodding like, mm-hmm, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Let me, Sky. let me tell you what a, what a toxic coworker to have on your team. <laughs> you know it's very funny because i think this episode was very emblematic of the issue with power rangers spd which is that from the get-go to the very end of the show there is this like liberal conception of perceived struggle uh -huh. right like artificial struggle that is created by own goals right so in the intro it was they literally gave the enemy a, a piece of technology that allowed them free travel in and out of their galaxy to terrorize earth which is which then made this whole season yeah thanks z uh <laughs> But then even in this episode, right, like it's an own goal because Kruger wanted to do Stockholm Syndrome on all of the Rangers mm -hmm. when he could have just gave the Red Ranger to someone else. Yeah. Just a horrific episode with a lot of implications for a lot of the characters in the yeah. show. This is the emblematic garbage episode. Like there's a lot of episodes like this in Power Rangers SPD. But this one really exemplifies it. There's right a lot from of the jump to the very end. In SPD. And this episode exemplifies that. There's a lot of weirdness with Sky in SPD. And this episode exemplifies that. There's a lot of weirdness with Jack in SPD. This episode exemplifies that. There's a lot of weirdness with Kruger being a fucking terrible leader. And this episode <laughs> exemplifies that. Kruger, great Power Ranger, terrible leader. Let's just be clear that those are not the same. Once again, meritocracy has failed us. Um, yeah, worse than Tommy. Really weird. 
but he's we'll, a lot we'll, like Tommy last season, though. It is very similar. Yeah, it is very similar, but still somehow worse than that, which is like really bad. But yeah, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. that that's a conversation for a later episode. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> ah, man, so much could be said. So much could so be much said. I I still um, don't know what a proper Power Rangers leader looks like. <laughs> right. Oh, you're not gonna find out here. Um, not in this season. No, not in this season. Yeah, that's so, too bad. Even not even in the good episodes, which we'll now talk about. So, um, we have two that we picked for the best, and I think it's interesting because they kind of are best for different reasons. Recognition was actually a thoughtful attempt to look inward as a show and examine some of the things that they had been doing and actually like apply a different lens to it for once. Um, so it's not like total copaganda for once in this episode and it has like some interesting things going on. And then uh, perspective is just fucking funny. It's just really funny. So yeah. that's why we, so we have one that's actually kind of interesting and introspective and then one that's really funny. So let's get into those and we'll just do them in order. So following along with the best, we have Recognition, which is episode 17. Recognition follows the end of the arc of episodes that's 15, 16, 17, which is where the season increases in quality slightly and also finally takes a look inward through this arc, like I was saying, and actually attempts to examine something about itself. And no episode does that better than Recognition. Recognition begins with uh, Rick the... Uh, Boston Dynamics dog that they, uh, the Power Rangers SPD has for reasons that are always a little unclear, is like trying to get Sky's attention, but Sky's just ignoring him. What's interesting about this too is that we've already had an episode about how Rick is good and you should shit on Rick, you should be nice to the dog. But I guess Sky, Sky doesn't learn lessons. Whenever the Rangers learn an episode lesson in an episode, every Ranger learns it but Sky. Just count on that in your mind. <laughs> yeah, Sky is like a a largely immovable object until like maybe the last third or quarter. Yeah, pretty much. But this episode is a small like break in his armor because um so Sky won't play with the dog. Um, and then the alarms go off, you know, B-Squad's gotta go, they get in the Megazord, um, there's this monster called Wutox, they're fighting Wutox, Wutox, it turns out, is, a, is kind of a trickster, has a tricky body-switching Freaky Friday ability, and so he is pretending to lose the fight, so that he can ensnare one of the rangers and switch places with them. And that happens to turn out to be Sky. So, Sky ends up being moved into Wutox's body and Wutox is in Sky's body. So what happens? They arrest Sky as Wutox and put him in prison. So this means that Sky is forced to grapple with the reality of what their system is like which is something that it is clear he has never thought about before. Um. <laughs> he's, he's actually having a different lived experience. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, this episode was definitely interesting in, in a number of aspects. Yeah, it definitely, it's very much like the police officer who eventually leaves the force and, like, becomes, like, a police reform or police abolition advocate. But you talk to them and, and they're like, yeah, I was on the force for 30 years. And you're like, it took you that long to realize that the system was bad? Like, <laughs> um, and, and especially because a lot of times they explain it. And it's like, yeah, 21 years into being a police officer, I finally like looked at the inside of a prison cell for the first time. And I thought, wow, that's messed up. And it's like, it took you that, that sky. Like, <laughs> that sky's like, you know, he has never thought about what the system is actually like for someone being processed by it before this episode. He has never, ever considered it. Whereas you get the impression that all of the rest of the Rangers have, like, have thought about, you know, what it is that they do to these people and things like that when they arrest them. Sky doesn't think about that. <laughs> Not at all. And this isn't even the card type of prison, right? Like, he's insanely lucky that they didn't just put Wutox in the uh, card system. Yep. Instead, it was a holding cell. If Very he rare. Hard, he would have had even less chance of getting this resolved. Anyway. Oh, that was it. It would have been over. Yeah. It would have yeah. been like 10 years later and Sky would have got out and been like, oh, fuck. Yeah. wonder what my body would do. 10 years later and they overturned the uh, false evidence and testimony that got him convicted. <laughs> yeah. What, what I really like about the episode is the, the fact that uh, Wutox is translator breaks and like it it really sets like that boundary between like prisoner and like police right so there's like no way for uh his body to like just like communicate like hey it's me right yes yeah. guys yeah, trying to explain hey it's me it's me um but he can't um yeah there's like this disconnect and it's kind of it, it is probably intentionally reminiscent of, you know, situations where there's a language barrier and there's an easily resolved problem, but you can't resolve it until you have, like, a translator in the room or whatever. Um, there's an opportunity for the guard to say, oh, the translator is broken. That's why we can't understand him. But they didn't do it, which no. leads me to believe that they didn't think about it Either they didn't know or they didn't care about that detail, which means that, yeah, that's probably how it is in prison, just yeah. from a more yeah. pessimistic point of view. Yeah. And even if really. it's like, even if it's like you can speak the same language, like, I think there's like a certain type of dynamic where it's like, even if you're trying to express like your desires are like, hey, I really need to get this or do that. Like the, the general like reaction is to just be dismissive, you know? And I think that's like, one of the one of the interesting parts about this episode is that there's there's no way for there's no way to express that kind of uh those kinds of desires and stuff from a like prisoner standpoint and so like when sky uh gets bodies body swapped right like it's just like well what am i gonna do now like if i can't communicate yeah he's kind of lost all agency and he almost really loses all agency because they do first they put him in this the holding cell and then they're discussing it, and Kruger's like, yeah, I looked up this Wutox guy. He's destroyed a bunch of planets. Like, he's super evil, 
and we're going to put him in a card forever. Um, and so the Rangers are like, all right, yep, let's go put him in the card. And so they're about to literally go put Sky in the card forever. But at that same time, Sky, you know, um, because he, does, he is Sky, he notes the codes to the building and stuff. And so he's able to, when no one is looking, punch in the code on the keypad and break out of the cell. Uh, the alarms go off, and everyone's like, oh shit, Wu-Tox escaped, and so everybody goes to look for him. Meanwhile, Wu-Tox, who is still pretending to be Sky, of course, decides to take this moment of confusion and take advantage of it. He attacks Cat, and this is, like, creepy scene, because it's like, you almost feel like this is revealing a little bit of Sky's true self in a weird way, even though it's not him controlling it, you know? Yeah. Like, the dialogue and stuff. It yeah. It feels like Sky is just mask off for some of this, rather than... Yeah. This, you know, the, like, the, like he's being controlled by someone else. Like, like Joker. I, I texted Kennedy when I was watching this, and I was like... He he's two face, yeah. And then and then I was like, and the Joker, because he started doing this like really weird Joker smile. <laughs> it was actually really funny to watch in that aspect, but yeah, it's like, what if Sky was actually the Joker? This is what you would get. Yeah, things kind of get like crazy from here because like. Kruger ends up fighting the Blue Ranger, who is Wutox, for a little bit. There's a fight in the Megazord with Sky as Wutox controlling the Megazord, and everyone's confused as fuck, like, what's happening right now? Um, they end up back on the ground fighting some more. Finally, Sky as Wutox kind of gets the, the upper hand, but the Rangers almost fuck it up. And then uh, Kruger has to step in and be like, wait, I think there's something going on. Um, the Blue Ranger attacked me, so maybe don't <laughs> jump to conclusions too fast here. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> the Rangers are ready to just do a police brutality on, on Wutox, who is actually Sky again, <laughs> as soon as they show up. And, but they realize, oh, shit, they've been switched. They're able to get them switched back. Uh, which is a little bit just of a deus ex machina thing that they kind of gloss over a little bit. They use the canine <laughs> cannon to kill Wutox and, or not kill him, but arrest him. Uh, you know, same, whatever. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah. They, they basically get him down, you know, Pokemon style, one HP, capture card, go. And then store him in their Pokedex. Yeah. Et cetera. There's this final moment with Sky and Bridge hanging out with Rick, the robot dog. And Sky's like, kind of like, yeah, you know, uh, I promised Rick if he helped me escape from prison when I was Wutox, I'd play with him until he got tired, however long it took. And Bridge is like, he's a robot. He'll never get tired. And Sky's like, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, and then there's like, <laughs> like Bulk and Skull, they break something, and uh-oh, oh, gotta get out of here! But, 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 but the really interesting thing is just Sky kind of, like, having that, like, newfound patience. Because that is a change for him. He's a very impatient person before this. 
like extremely, extremely impatient. If you were going to really highlight one of his particular flaws, it would be that he cannot wait for anything. Good, bad, doesn't matter. Uh, and so that's changed after this experience a little bit. Yeah. Sky still has his problems with Jack at this point a bit. They're kind of still sort of hanging on by a thread a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sky is also coming off of episode 15. And in that episode, uh, he's like, maybe I'm prejudiced? Question right. mark, question mark, question mark. So this is kind of like the culmination of that plot point of like, yeah, I'm starting to recognize these things and I, I got to change that. But unfortunately, he's in an institution that actively works against that. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a neat episode. It's, it's a little bit thoughtful. Uh, and it definitely gives an insight into like where this show, this season in particular, whatever I'm talking about, where this season could have gone if they had tried a little harder in terms of yeah, the yeah, right. I think I think um, it's also kind of held down by the fact that uh, they do the verdicts as well. <laughs> well, we can't even we cannot even get into that. We'll talk about that later. Okay, um, the last but not least episode is the incredible perspective this, this is, is just a the, fun episode this is one of the this is it just a fun episode this is one of the funniest episodes power rangers has done in seasons at this point like it probably does live up to the the pizza episode yeah no i was gonna say i don't think any power rangers episode has made me laugh this hard since the pizza episode this might almost be funnier than that i i swear to god Put it to you this way, I got like six minutes into this episode and then I called up Kennedy and I was like, hey, Kennedy, where are you at? Do you care to watch episode 20 with me? Because I don't know if it's filler or not, but it kind of maybe is, but it's such a really fun episode. I think you would like it. And they were like, yeah, let's go. So I'm like, okay, cool. So yeah, I even and I even rewatched like the first six again, and I was still having so much fun. Yeah, I I, I think we were only like less than we weren't even ha halfway through when I was like, "This is my pick for best." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just this this was just amazing. As far as it being like fillerish, it is a little fillery in some ways, but I think it also is worthwhile because it does give important insights into each character and from like a well-rounded perspective where it's like we're kind of admitting in this episode that each of these people is flawed and we're embracing that flawed nature of humanity to an extent and like i but don't know not not revoking their power rangers power no 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 they're they're already selected <laughs> you know we can't undermine the authority of doggy kruger no just we're just gonna embrace it that's it they're the power so, rangers get used to it so uh the rangers are hanging out an alarm goes off cats like we got a situation there's a monster stealing gold the rangers head out to deal with it and then they come back Kruger's like okay so satellite transmission was down the whole time so we couldn't communicate with you 
Seems like maybe the mission went well overall, but it was a little messy. What happened out there? Uh, you know, give me a report. And so Jack's like, well, I'm team leader. I'll give the report. No big deal. And he starts to explain what went down. But the whole time that he's explaining it, it seems a little bit self-aggrandizing. <laughs> and as it goes on, it gets more and more pronounced. <laughs> And eventually, <laughs> it's like the team is just like, we love Jack. Go, Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. Yay, Jack. And you're, you're, you're watching this like, this seems a bit odd. And sure enough, when Jack gets to the end of his explanation, he's like, yep, that's my report. That's what happened. Kruger's like, that's what happened with everybody who's yelling, go, Jack, the whole time. And the rest of the Rangers are like, no, <laughs> we weren't all yelling, go, Jack, the whole time. What the fuck? And the so only person is- who's maintained the same story throughout the whole time was Bridge. <laughs> Even and Bridge Bridge's goes- story has some inconsistencies, but he's the most consistent. Yeah, he's the most consistent character <laughs> in all of the footage. And basically, it's just him attacking a bunch of the a bunch of the uh, minions going five, six, seven. Wait, what number? Well, I'll just start over. No, he, one, goes, he, actually, he goes two. five, seven, eight. And then he's like, wait, did I miss one? And everybody insists that he did this. And he insists that he did not do this. But then even when he tells his version of the story, he does this so clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because he the whole time he's like, I can count. What are you talking about? And then uh, what he after he does, he's like, wait, maybe I can't count or something. <laughs> and there's some really funny stuff because they also all remember the Pink Ranger saying this really cool thing before she defeats the enemy, and they all agree that she said it. They all take credit for coming up with it, uh, but it turns out she never said. <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. Like, they all remember this badass takedown line that never happened. And it almost makes you wonder when you're watching, like, other episodes of the Power Rangers, they have some really great comeback. It's like, did they really say that? Or is that, like, as the French would say, the spirit of the staircase where you're walking (laughs) away later and you're like, oh, that's what I should have (laughs) said. So next up, Sky is like, okay. Listen, I, I'm Shadow Leader, so let me tell the, let me tell the, the story of what happened. But again, Sky's version of events is all about Sky being amazing and everyone praising Sky has nothing to do with what everybody else seems to think happened. Next up is uh, Bridge's version, which is one of the absolute funniest. It has like this weird like Pink Panther music the whole time. He's doing, like, goofy, like... The the Sentai footage is obviously even funnier for this episode because, like, whatever's going on, that Green Ranger is, like, acting... Just hamming it up like crazy in this flashback. It's like Sly Cooper, Thevis Raccoonus. (laughs) So Bridge gives his version of events. Again, he's told he's wrong. Z tells her version. She's told she's wrong. And Sid tells her version, and she's told, also, you know, there's no way. So Kruger's like, okay, so none of you agree on what happened. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) Um, But right as he's, like, getting 
ultimately frustrated with then Cat comes in and is like, hey, um, satellite's back up and uh, we did get the recording even though the transmission was down initially. Like, we didn't lose it. So let's look at what happened. And so they show the footage of what actually happened. What actually happened is that the Power Rangers, you know, they did it, but they were not in any way as cool as they thought they were. <laughs> they're, like, tripping on stuff. They're, like, their lines aren't as good. Bridge definitely does miscount the enemies. Like... Everyone's just kind of not nearly as cool whatsoever. <laughs> What's funny, of course, is that even though they just watched the literal video of what happened, at the end of it, Kruger's like, all right, well, there you go. That's the, that's the real footage. Kat and I will analyze the rest of it later or whatever. And uh, <laughs> uh, also, there's this whole thing with this ball of light that bounces around that ties into some later shit. It's not that interesting. Because also, oh, yeah, they don't, they conveniently, none of them tell Kruger that they got their ass saved by a mysterious force. <laughs> I almost forgot about that part. Yeah, a mysterious fucking bouncing ball of light actually saved their butts. And the Rangers conveniently all omitted this from their report. They were just like, yeah, we beat them up and then we uh, arrested them and left. Uh, it was all us. Yeah. No help from anybody. Yep. <laughs> the The Rangers are kind of like, well, okay, I, I guess that's what really happened. And Kruger's like, yep, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's what really happened. But, you know, we just all have our own different perspectives sometimes. And that's how it is in life. And Jack's like, yeah, but, like, my story was pretty close. And the Rangers, <laughs> the rest of the Rangers are like, oh, dude, what the fuck? No! And they all start arguing. <laughs> Even though they literally just watched the actual events that transpired, they still cannot agree about what happened. And that's the end. Just an amazing, hilarious roller coaster of an episode. I was Wait. laughing the whole time. I love the fact that they were like, yeah, you're jealous of the Like, Jax was like, everyone's jealous of the fact that I have two blasters. And, like, he's like, Sky's like, oh, I wish I had two blasters like Jack. And, and then even the girls are like, oh, we got to have two blasters like Jack as well. He's so cool. That's the like, coolest. Stuff. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> I like the fact that also in the other Rangers heads, everybody else still looked cool doing it. It's just uh, they were all praising uh, whoever the person was telling the story was. Yeah, but and I will highlight that like you get the impression that they would not have described each other in this cool of a manner at the beginning of the season, but that they've come to respect each other somewhat, even as they're all like being super egotistical and praising themselves heavily, they have all, they are all recognizing each other a little bit too, which is something they didn't really do before. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what I really liked, um, were like the sort of like, just like shots of the Power Rangers, like, each Power Ranger like smiling and nodding after they did something cool, like watching after watching the broadcast, <laughs> <laughs> being egotistical and whatever. And they're <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It is really fun to watch on screen. I was laughing a lot. Uh, Kennedy and I were just having a ball watching this together. Yeah, super fun. Let's uh, rate and review. So I guess I'll go first. All right. So the first one is Confronted, episode three. Three out of ten. Uh, Jack's too much of an asshole to be redeemable. As much as they kind of like t-ball it up for him. It's like, imagine if like uh, somebody like threw a softball at a baseball player and the baseball player like took the baseball bat and threw a tantrum. It's that frustrating to watch. It's kind of interesting yeah. in a sort of like meta narrative of like, oh, there's fucking drama going on with, the, you know, whatever. But when you're at the game, you're like, dog, perform, man. You got a show to watch. Come on. You know, very cringe. Uh, <laughs> next one. Recognition is, is that one, right? Yep. That's a seven. Uh, really liked Sky looking inward in this episode. Uh, we did learn a couple of developments of Sky as the, the episodes have gone through. But like I said, piecing it all together for this one, I think it was great. The bigger issue is that Sky, I don't think, changes enough after this. And even kind of sort of during. Where he like recognizes yeah. the issues and he's like taking like small steps. But it's too small. Right, it's kind of like being like instead of being aggravating to watch on screen, you're just like okay, or like you're interesting, but you're kind of like interesting in a very toxic way still, you know, still keeping some of those old qualities, and yet you still recognize some of the shit that you're doing is bad, and you do try and improve a little bit here and there, right? Going from being like a terrible human being to just being like fine, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then the last one perspective perspective that's like a nine i had a lot of fun with that episode i loved it so much it's fun to watch it's fun to like kind of throw up on screen as like a one-off you know i feel like a lot of these episodes are kind of like that though it's kind of hard it was we'll talk about the 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 best and worst process about this a little bit later but yeah no i feel like uh this as a solo episode fantastic nine out of ten Fun to watch, great humor, good, uh, great execution. How about you, Kennedy? For me, Confronted, the score is the same as its episode number. It's a 3 out of 38. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if you want my actual score, I really do. This was a zero for me. I hated this episode so much while I was watching it. I was... I mean, Grav, we were together. I was complaining the whole time. Ultra bitchy. Just like, what the fuck? This sucks so much. Um, I had to, like, beg you a little bit to, like, come on. Like, don't do this, like, Dino Thunder. Like, let's, let's just let's give it a chance. <laughs> you know, not, not every Disney season can be bad after Ninja Storm. It's not possible. But this episode speaking. was that bad that it was, like... It was just like wearing on me while I was trying to watch it. So it's a big zero for me. I really couldn't find anything likable in it. Uh, I would say that um, recognition, I think I'm, I'm agreed with Grav here. It's a seven for me as well. 
Um, it's just like a decent, solid episode that attempted to examine some of the themes of this season in a more thoughtful way. And that's worthwhile, even if uh, ultimately there's some aspects of it that are still amiss and some ways in which they really never fully confront a lot of the things that they should have been confronting with an episode like this. And then uh, I'm going to have to give it to perspective. That's a 10. I hey. really it, There's nothing about that episode I didn't like. I was just enjoying it the whole time. It reminded me of like the the good old days in some ways of Power Rangers. Cause like Did they get cheeky. Yeah, in MMPR sometimes the Rangers were a little bit like a little bit cheeky and egotistical, but then at the same time would also like kind of recognize each other as equals. And that was like a little bit of the vibe here. And it was just like a little bit like the old days of the Power Rangers at the juice bar, like kind of ribbing each other over who did more push-ups yesterday or something like that, you know? That was fun from just a lot of perspectives, and it just had the right kind of feeling, and it really made me wish that more of the season had been like that. So, not only was it just, like, fun to watch, but truly, I feel like this is the standard to which the season should have been holding itself more. Yeah, I think my only issue with that episode, really, that brought it down a point, was uh, the footage recycling kind of weird on me a little bit, I would say. And that's fair. Yeah. Loud. Um, yeah, what do you wow. got for ratings? So I give episode three a three out of ten. I didn't really find the conflict between like the leadership and the rest of the team all that convincing. It just seemed like Jack and the rest of the crew got away with a lot of things. And if there was a lesson to be learned, it was a fake lesson anyway. <laughs> As for 17 recognition, I actually like this episode a lot. I think it was just an interesting concept to do uh, body swapping. And having the translator destroyed kind of set the boundary between like what it what it was to be a prisoner and what it was to be like a power ranger. So I give this episode a seven and a half out of ten. And Perspective is just a hilarious episode overall. Uh, we really get to see like each of the rangers' egos <laughs> and how they kind of perceive themselves. And I just thought it was an interesting look at uh, the characters in this way. And I'm also still pretty perplexed about why no one brought up the balls of light saving their asses. Like... Kennedy said uh but I guess it just adds to the to the absurdity of it thanks for coming on uh what do you want to plug if you want to follow me on twitter you can uh follow me at l-a-m-d-a-o underscore and shout out to my power ranger buddy all the way from kindergarten you know who you are uh I'll always be the Red Ranger to your Blue Ranger. Grav Kennedy, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much a lot for chopping it up with us. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. 
And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.